Thank you for listening to the Calvary Church Podcast. If this ministry has been a blessing to you, would you let us know? Send an email to toledocalvary.org. We would love to hear what God is doing in your life today. Well, Calvary, I'm not here today, but I am so excited to introduce to you the person that's going to be bringing God's Word to us. One of the benefits that comes from being in, in one place for many years is you have the opportunity to watch and see God's call and plan played out in people's lives. And Pastor Jay Heiss is one of those people. Pastor Jay serves as our middle school pastor, but I have known him for many years, have watched the calling of God develop in his life. He is a leader, he is a great pastor, he is a gifted communicator, and I know that he has something from God's word that's gonna encourage and challenge you today. Would you give a big welcome to Pastor Jay Heiss as he brings God's word to us? Well, as Pastor Chad mentioned, my name is Jay Heist, the middle school pastor here at Calvary, and uh, I am just excited to be here to share the message with you today. Uh, and wanted to take a second, and for those of you who don't know me, uh, give you a little window into my life. Um, I have some pictures that I'd like to show you, and uh, with that, here is my family. And so uh, you can obviously see me, but then there is my wife, Molly, and we've been married for coming up on five years in June this year. And then right there, that just ball of cuteness is my little girl, Ivy Ray. And so uh, she is just full of personality. She's got her mom's good looks and she's got her dad's personality for sure. And so she is a talker and she is wild. And uh, some other good news that's coming with our family uh, is that we have another child on the way and I'm excited because I am getting my first son. And so Porter is gonna be joining us around May sometime. And so we are just beyond excited and just loving life right now. And uh, again, man, it is just, I'm so thankful to be here. And as we get into the word today, we're gonna to be in 1 Corinthians chapter nine, if you have your Bibles. Uh, but I don't know about you, but when we go into a new year, I usually take that time kind of as that year ends and as we go into the new year to really just evaluate like the goals and the things that I was looking to accomplish. And so just kind of my mindset, I, I get into this place where, where I try and set a, a physical, a mental and a spiritual goal for my life each year. And so as I did that, you know, I did this in 2020. Uh, it was something where, hey, I wanna grow in this way. Like I went real off the wall for me and I said, I'm gonna run a half marathon. And just so you know, I had only run three miles at any given point in my life at that, that time. And so I was like, hey, let's stretch myself, let's do this, running a half marathon. So I can remember committing to these things, looking back, and then obviously 2020 is what it was. We're not gonna dwell on that. But I looked back at my life and noticed that there was the, all, all these goals. And if I could go back even years before, things I was looking to achieve, things that I was trying to get better at, trying to grow in good intentions that so often I missed the mark with. And I had to ask myself, why does it seem like I miss the mark so often with the things that I strive to do, with trying to get better? And in this passage that we're gonna read and, and go through today, Paul is analyzing and kind of asking these questions. If, if you know anything about Paul and the New Testament and the, the books he's written, there's a lot of things in there. And, and even in Romans 7, he talks about how there's this internal struggle with, hey, I know what I should do, but something within me always does what's wrong or leads me in that direction. I know what's right, but I choose what's wrong. And he's talking about this internal conflict and in this passage right here that we're going to look at, we see how he unpacks kind of the training discipline mindset of, of improving our goals. Let's look at this. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, starting in verse 25, Paul says this, all athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. So I run with purpose in every step. I am not just shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. And Paul is taking this 
look at his life and comparing it to the training that takes place there. And like Paul, I had to ask myself this question of saying, why do I miss that mark so often? And there's this realization after reading this passage and even looking back at my life that, that stood out to me, and, and it's this, it's that without discipline, we will fall short of the purpose we want to achieve. That if we're not able to be self-disciplined, if we're not able to, to get with ourselves and say, hey, this has to change in order to achieve or be who you wanna be, then we're gonna fall short of the purpose or the goals that we set for ourselves or that God sets for ourselves. Now, can I ask you a question that I already have an answer to? Here, here, here's what it is. It's saying, as a Christian, as a Christ follower, what is your purpose? I want you to think about that for a second. As a Christian, what is your purpose in this life? I think it's a question that we look at a lot in asking ourselves, what is it that I am here for? And what will my life be like at the end? Jesus gives us a very clear instruction of what our life should, be, should look like and should, how it should be lived. It's a familiar passage if you've been in the church, but in Matthew 28, starting in verse 19, it says this, and, and this is known as the great commission that Jesus gives to his disciples. He's risen uh, from the grave, he's resurrected, he's with his disciples, and this is what he says. He says, therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to, to obey all the commands I have given you, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And we see that after a, a year like 2020, and I don't know if you had, that was just the worst year for you. Maybe you had kind of some high moments, some low moments. Maybe it was just an all right, another year for you. Wherever you find yourself, I think it's healthy for us to look back and ask ourselves, what is my purpose? What has God put me on this earth to do? And to remember that we are called to make disciples. And so we are the messengers of this hope. And I think after a year like 2020, that there are people who are in need of hope. Wouldn't you agree? That there are people who are in need of the good news of Jesus. And so as we do this, and as we dig into this passage in 1 Corinthians, I wanna give you four tips that will help you run a good race. And so we're gonna look at this and break down the scripture and, and look at some other truths that Paul gives us. Four tips to run a good race. Here's the first one. That to run a good race, you have to commit to the training. That if you're gonna run through this race of life, that you have to commit to the training it takes. Uh, it's the beginning of February, and you know we're a month into this year already, which is crazy to think about. And if statistics are right, a lot of people start to fall off their goals that they set for the new year. Now, I'm happy to say that I haven't. And so it's something that I'm sticking with. And I don't know where you might find yourself in that if you set, whether it's diet goals or a workout plan, or maybe it's just the mental or, or spiritual goals even. That, that there is a point where you have to get with yourself and say, I'm gonna commit to this. Let's look back here uh, at 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 25. Paul said this, that all the athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. And he's using this comparison here because in that time in Corinth where he's writing this letter, there, are, there is what is known as the Isthmian Games that take place. And so if you're familiar with the Olympics, uh, it, it's very similar to that, but, but there were races, there were foot races, there was wrestling, there was boxing, there was, there was even musical components of competition that would take place. These things would happen every other year in Corinth. And uh, this, this is something that, that, that was super uh, re requiring of the athletes, that as they would train for whatever it is they are competing in, that they would have to go under strict regulations for this. Here, here's a couple things that they would have to do. That the regulations for them included that the contestants had to take an oath that they had been training for 10 months. Strict, rigorous training. 
and that they would not violate any of the regulations that were put in place. If any of those were, were violated or if they hadn't stuck with their training plan or hadn't completely devoted themselves to these games, they would be disqualified. And that they lived then in a self-denying, restricting diet. That they restricted themselves of the pleasant foods that people would eat. That they labored in their disciplines of training, whether it be cold, whether it be hot, through the harshest conditions, they fully committed to what it was they were trying to achieve. And what's different between the Olympic games and these games is that the Olympic games, we have gold, silver, bronze, right? We have first, second, third. These games, it was win or go home. Only one person won the prize. And so as Paul is talking in this passage here, he's comparing this because it's a relevant topic to the people that he's writing to. But it also gives a good understanding that there is a race that only you can run and there is only one winner in it. That you have to be on your game and committed to the cause. You see, there, there was this quote that I came across that has just stuck with me this year. It's, it, it's gonna be the quote from my year, I believe, uh, by, by another pastor. But it, it says this, that, that discipline is choosing what we want most over what we want now. And I think that's so important for us because there are so many things that vie for our attention that we want. There's the food. And, you know, as I've committed to a diet, uh, you know, trying to eat better, trying to eat differently, trying to eat cleaner and trying to prepare for this half marathon that I'm looking to run. Uh, I also have a pregnant wife in the house and my pregnant wife loves to bake and loves to bake sweets and she makes the best chocolate chip cookies. But I've been tempted so much in this time where it's saying, hey, I know I shouldn't eat that, but man, I want it. Man, those cookies sound so good right now. But I know that even if I partake of those, that I have to be disciplined in that, that there is training, that I need to say no to that in order to achieve what I'm trying to go and, and, and go for. You see, the Greek competitors, Paul, and all those who understand about discipline surrender for a greater purpose, and they recognize this truth. This weekend, the, the Super Bowl is taking place, in case you didn't know, for the National Football League, we have the Kansas City Chiefs and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And what's really unique about this year is that there is a guy on a different team who's not unfamiliar with Super Bowls playing. That guy's Tom Brady. And, and I just want to preface all this right now. If you know anything about football over especially the last 15 years or so, um, Tom Brady was with the Patriots. He is a six-time Super Bowl champion. This is his first season with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and he's already in the Super Bowl again. Now, me as an Indianapolis Colts fan, this is a struggle because Peyton Manning and Tom Brady went at it year after year for so many years. Great competition. And I have this disdain for Tom Brady and the Patriots, genuinely. But... There's something that I've come to admire about him, that at the age of 43 this year, he's going to be competing for a seventh Super Bowl ring, that he's going all in for it, that his passion, in an interview I was, I was watching, he was talking about how his passion to be the best and to be a champion is what drove him to be who he is today, that the discipline and the commitment to his training, the commitment to his diet, the commitment to sleep. He says he goes to bed at 8.30 every night and wakes up at 5.30 every day. He doesn't break from that. He's disciplined because he knows what his goal is and what he's trying to accomplish. And in an interview, he was being asked questions about this routine and how he's in such good health and how he stayed healthy through all of these years. And he was asking what drove him to that other than just the competition. He said, this is my passion. This is what I wanna do and I feel good doing it, and I wanna keep doing it. And there's been things I've had to sacrifice, and I probably haven't been the friend that I probably should have been to others, but I'm committed to where it is that I'm at now. You see, training for your purpose will require a personal commitment to sacrifice. It's not something that anybody else can do for you. It's only a decision that you can make within your heart. If you set a goal, whether that be physical, mental, spiritual, or if we even look at our, at our purpose as Christ followers, 
We have to be committed to the cause, to growing in knowledge, to growing in God's word, to commit to the training, and to sacrifice the things that will hinder us from achieving that goal. Paul talks about this some more in 1 Timothy 4.8. He's writing to one of his uh, people that he is planted. He's, he's starting a church. He's giving them instruction and wisdom. And he says this, hey, physical training is good. Like he's not denying the fact that it's important to train. But he says this, but training for godliness is much better. Promising benefits in this life and the life to come. What Paul is recognizing and trying to stress to Timothy here is saying, hey, physical training helps you with this physical earthly body that you have now. But the spiritual training, the growing in godliness, the growing in the understanding of who God created you to be and why he has you where he has you is what's going to help you not just here, but it's going to benefit in the life to come. In the life with heaven, in heaven with God. You see, we look at sacrifice, and I think we look at it often as something that, that we just have, we're giving up. Man, like, I'm giving up the cookies. I'm giving up the pizza. I'm giving up the sleep. I'm giving up the, the, the desire to just want to stay on the couch instead of go out and run in the 18 degrees cold. I have to sacrifice to do this. And we look at it as, as losing something. But Jesus talks about it in a much different way, that when we sacrifice and lay down ourself, that we, when we pick up the cross and follow the purpose and the calling that God has for us, that we actually gain a new life, that we find a newfound purpose. And I don't know about you, but I believe that there's, there's some people here, whether you're in this room or watching right now, where 2020 knocked you down. You had aspirations and you had goals of what you wanted to achieve but it didn't come close. In fact, you lost a lot. And you're discouraged. And you're not sure how you're gonna go forward in 2021. Can I encourage you with something? That God has you in this place for a purpose and for a reason. That you are in your life, in your family, in your job, in your school, for a reason. And even if you tried to rebound in 2021 and you've maybe been knocked down from the goals that you've set or trying to improve spiritually, know this, don't give up. Recommit. God hasn't cast you out. That he is looking for those who are gonna say, I'm gonna fully devote myself to you. Yeah, there might be hurdles. Yeah, there might be things that are unforeseen. But my focus is on what you and what you have for me. You see, God is looking for faithfulness, not your perfection. And I have to tell myself that so much because I think I gotta get myself all in line before God can use me. When God's saying, hey, I want a worthy vessel who is open to what it is I'm asking you to do. Jesus called unworthy people to be his disciples. Jesus started with the least likely but it's through them that when they surrender themselves that God's spirit works in such a mighty way as they commit to the training. The first step is to commit to the training. The second step is this, is that you gotta focus on your purpose. To run a good race, you not only have to commit to the training, but then you gotta focus on what the goal is, on what the end game is. Here we see in 1 Corinthians 9, 26, Paul continues in that passage. So I run with purpose in every step. I'm not just shadow boxing or I'm not just punching the air. I'm not just, I'm not just training for the theoretical. I'm doing it. I run with purpose in every step. I speak with purpose in everything I do. Paul compares it to practicing. And as I was looking back at my 2020 goals and, and goals from the years past, I couldn't help but ask myself, why was it I didn't achieve those? Sure, I made excuses, but I also put a lot of effort in. I even made some pretty good improvement. I ended up running up to five miles last year, which was big for me. I had never done that before, but I still missed the mark. And I had to really evaluate and say, hey, why was it my good intention goals I couldn't achieve? Why was it I feel like I was missing the thing that I was purposing myself to go do? And I, I came to this realization that, that goals are your achievement, but a purpose is your lifestyle. 
You can set milestones of what you want to accomplish or things you want to check off to do. But if you're going to truly live in your purpose, live with who God created you to be, live to become healthier and better, then it has to become a lifestyle, not just a fad. It has to be more than just a goal. Goals are good. But it has to become something that is a part of who you are. That's why I didn't achieve in 2020. It wasn't that it was a crazy year. It wasn't that I was stuck at home. If anything, I had more time to achieve a lot of those things. It was that my mind was not in the right space. And Paul's trying to talk about that. He's saying, hey, I, do, I run with purpose because my focus is solely on what God has put before me. I train myself like an athlete because God has called me to something more. He talks about this again in Romans 12 too, when it comes to the focus in your mind. He says it here, he says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Meaning, hey, don't just fall into the traps or the thinking of the things of this world, but be different in your thoughts. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is his good, pleasing, and perfect will. You're gonna know God's plans as you focus on him. When you don't let the distractions try and pull you away. You see, when you confess and give yourself over to God, when you submit to his plan and his purpose for your life, then you become a new creation. What once defined you or was your decisions is no more. That you're different from that point on. I was reading through some stories and came across this one this past, this past week, and it was about this girl. She was, a, she was a dancer. And so from a very young age, from five years old, I believe, she, she was just da- uh, passionate about dancing. And so she put all her efforts, her spare time into dancing, uh, became, was becoming really good, had aspirations to be a professional dancer, like was, was looking at her life and saying, hey, this is where I want to be. This is the goal I'm focused on. And then one time when she was 13, almost 14 years old, uh, she was talking about how she, she woke up one day and just had all these pains and aches in all of her joints in her body. And so she knew she wasn't going to be able to dance that day. And so she, she stayed home. But as it continued on day after day after day, the pain was there. It continued. And so she started to get this checked out. And, and what started from her not being able to dance got to a point to where she was not able to walk anymore. And so she was stuck in bed. And in this interview, she was talking about how how it went from not being able to dance to not being able to walk to not being able to get out of bed to barely being able to lift up a finger. That there was something that was going on with inside of her that was keeping her from what she wanted to do. And they went to all the doctors. They, They did all the tests that they could at that time. And nobody could give them an answer for what was happening. And then it came to this point as she's wheeled in a wheelchair into a doctor office. And she recalls saying that as a 13, almost 14-year-old girl, hearing the doctors say that there's not anything else they can do for her, that her body is shutting down, that she was dying, and they didn't know why. She said in her words she, that she mustered up the courage to say, I don't accept this. And here's a quote from the interview that she said, and Her words are so powerful. It was such a defining moment that I've drawn from because I accepted right then that I would not allow other people's limitations to be mine. I knew that I was coming into the greatest fight of my life, but I decided that rather than try not to die, that I was going to put all my energies and efforts into living. And she said for six years, she battled this, not able to dance, working at trying to figure out what's going on, still not knowing all this time to this day exactly what it was. But she eventually conquered this. She's still alive. And she's a dancer. She's been on Dancing with the Stars. Her name is Ashley DeLello, if you're familiar with the show. And she's continued to pursue her dreams and her aspirations because she recognized this, that purpose starts within your heart, but your focus is determined by the discipline of your mind. Seeing that what she wanted to do was a passion. She wanted to be the dancer, but with this diagnosis that she had to recognize that her focus needed to be on living, not dying. That her focus needed to be on the things that she wanted to achieve, not what she was being told would happen. Jesus 
before his ministry really took off, he was baptized and God's spirit descended on him. And in Luke chapter four, you see this instance where after all this takes place, the spirit leads Jesus into the wilderness. And you see that for 40 days, Jesus is in the wilderness full of the Holy Spirit, but being tempted by the devil. That he's led astray and and as you're fasting and as you're gone for 40 days, you know, he's saying, hey, look at that stone. If you speak it and tell it to turn into bread, you can eat it. You have that power. And he takes him up to a mountaintop and he says, hey, you see that city? Kneel before me and it's yours. I have the power to give it to you. And the devil came at him with all these temptations. And if it wasn't for the discipline of his mind and knowing what was true, being focused on his purpose, he could have given in and maybe would have gotten those things. But Jesus recognized this, that your greatest spiritual experiences are often followed by your greatest spiritual test. That when God's doing something in your life, man, something good's happening. Man, you're growing in your faith. Man, the Bible is bringing new life when you read those words. There's something that the Spirit's doing within your heart. Maybe God's calling you to go out to do something. Maybe that purpose is becoming something that's a reality in the way you're living and and doing things in your life, at your home, at work. My youth pastor growing up here would always say that when you get to new levels, that there's new devils. And it's always stuck with me. And and he looked at me one time and he said this, you got to have your dukes up ready. You got to be focused. You got to defend yourself and you got to focus because you know what's right. You know what your purpose is. You know who God says you are. And you have to fight those devils. My question to you as we ponder this is, what are the tests and roadblocks you will face? And how are you going to transform your mind to fulfill that purpose for your life. Remember, discipline is choosing what you want most over what you want now. But let's get into the third thing. The third thing is this, is that it's good to run with a team. It's good to train with a team. It's good to be a part of a team. We're gonna jump and shift in scriptures here, but in Acts chapter two, you see there's Jesus is left, the Holy Spirit's been poured out, Peter stands up and preaches a message, 3,000 people are saved, and this is what's taking place in the life of the first, the church that's established and going. Says this, all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. That's the kind of community I would love to be a part of. That God was doing something so special amongst them, that the Spirit was flowing, that their their attitudes, their goals, their things had changed, that it was all about one another, that it was all about being a part of a team, a community a church, a family. And as we look at this, there's, there's a couple things I want to point out for us here and, and kind of give you three benefits of being on a team. Here's the first one. The first one is this, is that teammates motivate you to do good. Teammates motivate you to do good. On social media, Instagram, I like to follow different sports pages and all that. And what I love to see, especially in sports season, is when the football teams or the basketball teams, they're all, you know, it's, it's Friday a lot of times, but it's the day where, where the athletes are pushing themselves. They're setting their new max. They're squatting the most they can. They're hundreds of pounds. And so what happens if, if you're not familiar with this, like I'd encourage you, just go look it up. But they get in there and the whole team is together and they are going nuts in the gym. They are hyping the dude up who's about to pump uh, the iron, who's about to squat, who's about to bench his max weight. And so they're going crazy in there. They're pushing him like they're shoving, like they're just trying to get him amped up. And then he gets to that bench. He grabs the bar. He goes down for the squat. He lifts it. And as soon as he does it and gets it back up, the place goes nuts. There's an energy and an environment that takes place in there because they saw their teammates succeed and push himself to the next level. In Hebrews, there's kind of a similar thing that takes place here in chapter 10, verse 24. Because it's talking about that as as we're a part of a team, as we're a part of a community, as a family, it's important that we should think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. That it's important that being a part of a team, we're here to motivate one another to do good. 
to be the best that you can, to live out the purpose God has for your life. The second thing is this, is it's important that teammates are a support, or excuse me, teammates provide accountability. Teammates provide accountability. There's that phrase that there's no I in team, right? It's not just what you can do on your own, but together we're stronger. Together we can do more. Verse 25 of Hebrews chapter 10, he continues on after that, hey, let's encourage one another and let's not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but let's encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. And what that is is saying, hey, let's, have, let's be accountable to one another. Hey, there's a purpose on our life. There's a, there's a purpose to gathering together. Hey, if, if something comes up or if somebody starts to trail off, man, let's reach out to them. Let's encourage one another as we prepare for the day that Jesus comes back for us. That teammates can provide accountability. And the third thing is this, is that teammates are a support in a time of need. You see in that Acts passage that they're selling things to care for those who are in need. They're eating meals every day. They're going to the church, to the temple together to worship God. Like great things are happening. God is blessing them. And here's what's happening because of that, because of them allowing the spirit and drawing together and running through life, running their race as a team. Acts chapter uh, two, verse 47 says this, that all the while, while that's taking place, they were praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all people, not just who they're with. And here's the kicker. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. That at some point, people saw that what was taking place in the early church and wanted a part of it. They saw the team, they saw the family, they saw the community that was being established there. What's that? There's something different about them. I want that. And more and more people came to know the Lord because of that. Just because of the way they were living their life, being a part of something, a community, a team. Pastor Chad shared how I've been around for a little while here to Calvary specifically. Um, my family, they still attend here. My mom and my wife are in this room tonight. And uh, I've been coming since I was three years old. And if you've been around Calvary enough to know, Pastor Chad was my kid's pastor before he was the lead pastor here. And through all those years, I've seen just how, how much of a benefit Calvary has been to my family and to my life, and ultimately to this calling that I've had to be a pastor. And there's been moments in life that have been uh, tough for people. Like, we all go through it. But something that's so good to know that, that as we talk about that a, a team is there to be, at, uh, be there in a time of support. That there's been times where my family's needed that. You know, five years ago, I lost my sister. Tragically, wasn't ready for it. And uh, like the thing that's so awesome about this is that the first people who reached out was Calvary. The first people who brought meals over was my church. And I can fast forward a little bit, you know. We just had Ivy almost two years ago. Some of the first people to bring meals over were some of you. And there's something that's so special about this church, about being a part of a church, especially when it's a church that's living out Acts chapter 2, that's allowing the Spirit to lead and guide them, that there's a support that we can have and know this, that as you run through life, it's good to do it with a team. You can run on your own. You can be self-motivated. You can get through life on your own. But I'm telling you, you're missing out if you're not doing it together. And I'm so thankful that in a crazy season of time, this last year has brought so much confusion and so many things and masks and all of this, that, that our churches continued to find ways to create community amongst one another. And like, if I could step away from the notes for a moment and just speak to you as Jay, like one of the best things that's happened in our marriage for my wife and I, and just in my life, is plugging into a group and finding community. We spent the first few years of our marriage not. 
And let me tell you, we had great excuses of why we couldn't. My wife worked nights. I worked Sundays. You know, there was a lot of days where I saw her for breakfast and then she went to bed and I went to work and then we had dinner and she went to, like, life's crazy. Like, I get it. I had the excuses. But ever since I've joined a group, since we've joined a group, the transformation that's taken place within our life is, I, I can't even describe it to you. Because there's other people who are going through things who can support you, who can encourage you, who can push you, who are there for you. And I would encourage you, if, if you don't have some sort of a team, a healthy community, that you would find that. Because we're living in a world where we need each other. And where there's so much division, I think it's time that people are looking for that community. And we have a lot of groups to take place. And if you're looking for something, I would really encourage you, go out to our website, ToledoCalvary.org, scroll down, click find a group. We have so many groups available. And maybe you're like, hey, yeah, that's me. Like, I'm in the busy schedule. I don't have time. Our schedules don't work. You know, I get it. But if I could be blunt with you, like, find a way to make time for that. Because you'll, you'll see a difference in your life. Maybe you're saying, hey, you know what? That's cool, Pastor Jay, but... I've had bad experiences in church groups. You know, I'm gonna tap out of that. Don't let your past experiences keep you from the relationships that God might be trying to bring into your life now. The other thing is this, is legitimately, some of you are still at home because of reasons of health, of safety, for your family, for yourself, and you need to be. But also know this, like this is why I'm thankful. There is ways to have community and connection without being physically together. We have online groups. We have ways of connection. Whatever it is, whatever season, whatever place you find yourself in, don't miss out on it and don't neglect it because it will change your life. The fourth point, tip for running a good race, is this, that you can finish with the strength of your father. Let me talk about why I made this point that. You see, as, as Paul talked in the beginning of this passage in 1 Corinthians, he said, hey, I trained myself like an athlete. And he wasn't so much talking about the physical, he was talking spiritual, like, hey, I go through rigorous training to be all that God's calling me to be. I'm disciplining my mind, I'm disciplining my heart, I'm protecting, I'm, I'm pursuing that call. And Paul's kind of sentiment in that passage was talking about Hey, I do this so that hopefully I don't get disqualified, that I don't mess up, that I don't fail the task that I was setting out to do. In a letter to Timothy, in, in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 6, we see Paul at, at kind of the ending points of his life. He's in prison while writing this right now. Having gone through this time, he's in prison for preaching to G Jesus' name. He's in prison about to be executed. And he's writing these words. And this is what he says to Timothy. He reflects back on his life. He said, as for me, my life has already been poured out as an offering to God, saying, hey, I committed to the training. I focused my mind. I, I built the teams. I've done it. The time of my death is near. I have fought the good fight, and I have finished the race, and I've remained faithful. What he was hoping he would do, he accomplished. And if you know anything about the history of Saul and what he went through, he went through hardships. He went through struggles. He went through pain, jailed numerous times, but he remained faithful because he had the strength of God with him. You see, Jesus was about to be taken up into heaven after dying on the cross and, and being resurrected. And so he walked with his disciples and it was about the time for him to leave. And his disciples are saying, hey, when's God going to come restore the world? And Jesus said, hey, that's not, that's not time for you to know. But this is what he said to them. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. He says this, but you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses, telling uh, people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And what he's saying is, is my name is going to be spread. I'm going to leave, but God's going to give you something even greater. You're going to have my whole, his, the, the spirit within you. You're going to have power and you're going to have strength 
and you're going to have a helper who's going to help you live out that purpose I gave you of making disciples. You see, it's important for us to know this, that your race will have hills and hurdles. You're going to have to climb. You're going to have to jump. You're going to have to twist. You're going to have to turn. But your father gives you the strength to finish. In 1992, the Olympics were taking place and uh, there was a runner who, who was running. His name was Derek Redman. He was a British runner. And uh, he was one of the fastest guys at that point. And, and during the 400 meter uh, run that he was about to, to start on, he had goals of breaking the world record at that time. And uh, things didn't quite go as planned. Uh, would you turn your attention to the screens for this video? Steve Lewis in lane three. Roberto Hernandez out quickly in four. Now down the back stretch. Ismael on the left of the screen is running very, very quickly. And inside of Lewis, Sunday Bada of Nigeria. And Derek Redman of Great Britain has pulled up with an injury. Redman is out. Derek Redman, the British record holder and an important member of that British 4 by 400 meter relay team as he doesn't want anybody to help him. It'll be Lewis to win in 44.50. Look at this. He's going to try to finish his semifinal race. The British have a certain tradition of running which you have to respect a bizarre finish to this first semi-final of the men's 400 meters Derek Redmond of Great Britain pulled up with an injury halfway down the back stretch he's fighting off those trying to help him to finish the race in his lane and now the pain too much. Stadium as Redmond, with assistance this time, approaches the finish line he had wanted so desperately to reach. That is the Olympic spirit. There you saw this moment. Derek had aspirations. The Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine upon you. And as he was running, gracious he got to that point. The Lord turned his face toward you and give you peace. I can keep going. The Lord What I love about that, that video Make is you see as, as he's running, there's this guy who's running down who we know is his dad. Because his dad saw that his son was dead. That his son needed strength, that his son needed strength. Come on, believe this right here. And I...
resonate with that video a little bit right now. Then you know what? I'm down. And a thousand generations. And your family. Like and your children. And the children. And the children. May his favor be upon you. I don't think I can go any further Generations and your family and your children and the children and the children they What race are you behind you and beside you? Are you running a race right now? And we feel you. are not sure what the direction Are you just going through life trying to figure it out? be a blessing whether you're in this room to or others, watching Father. with us or listening so we pray that as we you go pray forward, this prayer with me that every day that we find we a way to God bless to those us. as you've blessed us father would you say we bless God, those who I curse us you today. we bless those who love us we bless all a those around us just the way you did need of you years ago on a cross i give you, you my life, your life even the sin that we turned our down. backs on you so god we thank you i ask for, for your holy like spirit we're reminded to help of your me live a life worthy of we're your calling. of your faithfulness. We're reminded and finish of your the race in faithfulness. Not Father, we give you honor. And we thank you for Jesus moving name. in our hearts, Amen. in our houses, in this place. You see, when we in confess name, those we things pray. and when we give the Lord God control of our life, Paul shares it in 2 Corinthians that we're a new creation. And let me encourage you as we get ready to wrap up today. That for some of you, this is the new lap. That for some of you, you're starting your journey. And you're not sure what's to come. But I would encourage you to push and press into God. Seek his word. My prayer and my belief is that after a year and a culture and a time that we've gone through, that people are in need of Jesus that people are searching in it. And God's looking for us to be the vessels who will take and share him with them. So wherever you're at, would you, or in this room, would you stand with me? And as we close today, I'd like to worship again and sing that song and just invite God's presence and spirit to be with us. Team, would you lead? Let's sing it together. Come on, sing, come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit, rain down on me. And oh, break open the heavens, drench the unseen. Yeah, and pour out your presence as 
to pour out of your praise and come Holy Spirit sing Lord have your come on across this place wherever you are sing as I worship your majesty I worship your holy name Jesus my God, that's our prayer, that you bring revival to our city, to our state, and to our nation. But God, let revival come through us. God, may we begin to be hope to the hopeless. May we begin to be love to those around us. Father, help us to see those around us that need connection with you and to build deeper, more rooted relationships. Father, we thank you for the love, the grace, the joy that you've shown us, but you've called us to show it to all those around us too, Father. So we say from this day forward that we will never be the same. That as we will walk out, as we start our days, that we give you honor, we give you glory, and we say you are worthy of every praise. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.